church, we are supposed to have the wildest faith. A faith where there's no strategy. There's no plan. The Lord is saying, only believe. Run the race that God has marked out for you. Pray big prayers. Believe big. And I, I, I just been so inspired in my faith to tell our church to stop believing God for regular things. When you pray, you should be asking for things that without God, they cannot happen. Because I can tell what God's going to do for you by what he's done to you.
worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will. He opened the prison door. He parted the Shout out to the best story. 
heavens. Let's exalt the name of the Lord. Come on, you can do better than that. Magnify the name of Jesus together. Come on, if Jesus really has no rival, we're going to sing that again. Begin to give God praise. Come on, shout it out. You have no rival. You have no rival. You have no This morning say a prayer over them speak encouragement speak blessings speak faith over them maybe pray for healing provision wellness peace thank you God this morning. Pray for somebody. Grab one more person, one more person next to you and pray for them as well. One more person and pray for them as well. You might not be used to it, but this is this is important. We gotta pray for each other.
All right, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Silas, you got to help me pray for some people today. I want you to repeat after Uncle Julian. I want you to say, Jesus. Jesus. Bless the people. Give them faith, faith. favor, Favor. and blessing. Blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yeah. The walk-off. Let's go. He crushed it. He crushed that. I'm out. Go ahead and say what's up to somebody and have a seat. Say what's up to somebody and have a seat. He crushed that. crushed it. The walk-off. You know what say? A walk-off home run? That's a walk-off prayer. That was crazy. He's just like, amen. I'm out. Anybody excited to be in the house of God today? Make some noise. We have a good day in church today. God is moving. He's for you. My wife and I celebrated 11 years married yesterday. Come on, y'all better clap louder than that. Your pastor ain't on the internet. Clap. (laughs) Trying to stay off the internet. Be faithful to my wife, man. 11 years. It's been 11 years of pure bliss for her. And 11 years of pure bliss for me. You know, as I put it in the right order, you know, she's just married to just an angel of a man. And I am married to an angel of a woman. 11 years, man. Remember how poor we were when we got married, man? My wife, well, I was poor. I, when you get married, you become one. So she, she had money. I was broke. But since we got married, it was, it was us, man. It was great. If, if, if you love anything about me or you appreciate me as your pastor, you, y'all got to make some noise for my wife. She holds it down. She holds it down holds it down and so it's it's been great i'm excited and so grateful and happy to be your pastor like this is a an amazing privilege and opportunity and um we're in this series called made for this because we're believing for favor um and i've been talking about seven years i think if we just prepare ourselves the right way we're gonna have unprecedented favor in the church and i feel like we're gonna experience increase in three major areas one there's gonna be an increase of righteousness. There's going to be a harvest of righteousness where our character will be able to handle uh, what God wants to do. Even if you think about uh, me getting the chance to be a chaplain of an NBA sports team, a lot of the best guys in the NBA didn't have the character. They're, they're not in the NBA. The, the, the best guys in the NBA um, are there because they, had, they showed some character things. Teams are not drafting players who don't show character, but they can play ball. And so I believe the best players in, in NBA history aren't even in the NBA. They could have been, but they, didn't, they, they weren't ready mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and, and character-wise to be able to handle what God wanted to do. So we need this increase of, of, of righteousness. And then another increase is going to be increase of, of souls. Like, people are going to come to the Lord like never before, partly because of your influence in their life. you got to believe that with me. Y'all got to start inviting people into your spaces. you got to start inviting people to church. you got to start to take responsibility that someone might know God. And the third place we're going to experience increase is we're going to experience it, uh, literally, we're going to experience a harvest of increase, which is uh, finances, wisdom. Come, come on. You got to have some wisdom. 
Some of y'all are believing for increase in finances and you ain't got no wisdom. You need wisdom. Matter of fact, Solomon asked for wisdom and God said, since you asked for that, I'm going to give you money. I want you to fathom that. Solomon didn't ask for money. Richest man who ever lived, he asked for wisdom and God said, since you asked for that, I'm going to give you money. And, and, and I need y'all to operate in wisdom. You ain't got to be perfect. But if you got like a, a Louis bag and less than $100 in your savings account, I'm going to need you to get rid of the Louis. That's not wisdom. That's not wisdom. Also, too, I'm going to need you to stop, like, flexing on everybody all the time when God does something in your life. Stop showing off on the Internet that you got something nice. I know you got the new BMW, but... Don't be trying to post your Bible scripture for the day and the BMW logo happens to be in the shop. <laughs> Come on, can we be real, church? I know you. I see you on the internet. It's reading over Philippians today. BMW logo just blah, blah, right in the shop. You could have moved it over. We didn't have to know. God's been dealing me with that, man. I wanted a Jaguar and Laura said, you getting a Volkswagen. <laughs> He's just been dealing me. Why do I need people to see what, what, I, what I have. I've done this before as a pastor. I know famous people. Famous people have been nominated for Grammys or Academy Awards. And I put on my Instagram, so proud of such and such. I could text them. I'm putting that up there so y'all know I know them. <laughs> do we not do that? So proud of like the most famous person you can think of. Like, I'm so proud of Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson's been dead since 2009. We know you knew him. Like, relax. Like, be easy. You have to prepare yourself for an increase of resources with humility and not needing to be seen. I got I to heal from that myself. Like, I'm working on it. So I'm just saying there are certain things that we have to do. We need to have wisdom. And I'm not saying you can't have nice things, but I'm saying, like, if you ain't got nothing stacked up, if you ain't never invested in stocks but you always on StockX, the sneaker app. <laughs> Can I preach to somebody today who bid $600 on some off-whites and you ain't, you ain't got nothing set aside for a rainy day? Come on, I'm teaching. If you got off-whites but a GoFundMe when your car break down, who am I preaching to? It's saying wisdom, wisdom. Me and my wife, wife talk about wisdom all the time. And by the way, for all of y'all people who think God wants us to be broke, my dream is to be on the way to the Ferrari lot and God says, no, I want to be able to do it. Does that make sense? And if God says no, he says no. But if he don't, just out there, be blessed, y'all, be blessed. Y'all ain't trying to keep me in poverty, man. That's y'all, like, Okay, turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, <laughs> verses 15 through 21. And the Lord said, that's why you ain't got no Ferrari, because you be pulling up on all these people. I sure will, man. Somebody come park this thing so I can preach. We're in week four, and my whole job is to prepare you, because I know it's coming. I just don't know if you're ready. Like, this is not up for grabs. When I tell you God is doing awesome things, he's doing awesome things. But we have to be prepared. We have to almost be addicted to preparation, not outcome. 
Because what I'm ready for, God will give me. He withholds no good thing from those. The Bible says he withholds no good thing. And so I, I wanna, I've been talking about righteousness because that's the thing that I feel like a lot of um, you know, people preach poorly. And so we're going to be on righteousness for a minute so you can actually understand the power of the gospel. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 21. Uh, this is Paul talking to the church of Galatia. Now, I want to give you some background. Uh, Paul did not have the internet. Paul could not post on stories. He definitely couldn't make a TikTok. So how he spread the gospel was not through technology. He spread the gospel through presence. Everywhere he preached, he had to be. Everything he said, he had to go somewhere to say it. He couldn't just upload anything on YouTube. It didn't work that way. So he would go to the church of Philippi and he would deal with the issues in the church of Philippi. He would go to the church of Galatia and, and deal with the church, uh, issues in the church of Galatia. He would go to the church of Thessalonica and he would deal with the church in, in, in there. He would go to the church of Corinth and deal with the, the issues in the church with Corinth. One thing I've never seen Paul do is he's never gone to, he never went to the culture and dealt with the issues in culture. He never went to Rome and tried to deal with what Rome was doing wrong. He went to the church. And I believe that Paul believed, like I believe, if we fix what's wrong with the church, the church can then fix what's wrong with the world. But if we don't address what's wrong with the church, then who are we to the world? We got we to gotta humble ourselves and go like, what's wrong with us? What's wrong with us? And I think that what's wrong with most of the church today is what Paul is addressing in the church of Galatia, what was wrong with that Galatian church. They had allowed religion to weave its way into the gospel. And so it wasn't just you're saved by grace and you're saved by faith in Jesus. It was you're saved, but, and you know any religious people like that, you're saved, but what about that thing? What about circumcision? What about this? How much do you read your Bible? How much do you really pray? Like, what about those things? You're saved, but no, you're just saved. And so Paul has having to talk to these people who, um, by wanting to please religious people, started to buy into the religious system again to be accepted. There's something about the human nature that has a need to feel like I'm self-righteous. It's what I did that makes God happy. We say things like that all the time. We need laws that honor God, as if God is honored by laws, not faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you dishonor God every time you don't believe that God has a plan for your life. There is nothing more dishonoring to God than unbelief. How dare you not believe me? You know how much I bless you. Did you not see me bless your grandmother? Did you not see me bless you? Do you not see what I'm doing around you? I, unbelief is the biggest thing that dishonors God. And so it's not that we need to be like, uh, that we don't need to be aware of what our failures are, but, but the law, this rule that comes into our heart where we deep down want others to do what we do. That's self-righteousness. Self-righteousness is the biggest threat to the church in America today. Are you watching online? Self-righteousness? We don't want people to be like us. We're organized. That person's so messy. We read our Bible. Yeah, but do you read your Bible? Some of y'all pray five hours a day. They, I just, there's just not enough prayer in the church. Self-righteous means where I start to expect from others what I expect of myself. And I don't think it's the transformative work of God. I think it's discipline. So go do it. This is killing the church and stopping people from coming to get saved. I was 30 years old. I didn't have an issue with Jesus. I think one of the things that makes me effective pastor is I didn't like church people. 
So my worst fear is to be like those people. It's my worst fear. God forbid I would keep somebody from coming to Christ. We got to get rid of this in the church. Some people in this room, you think you're righteous. And you want that other people to be like you. Some people in this room, you're conservative and you just think Democrats are the devil. And some of you are Democrats and you think conservatives are the devil. And God is like, you give demons a piggyback ride every single day of your life. Skipping through the park. You act like you ain't got issues. Why are we, why are we not willing to just, because you know why you expect this of someone? You fixed it. And anytime you fix something wrong with you, you always expect it from someone else. But if God fixed it, you'll point them to the fixer. But if you fixed it, you'll demand it of them. There's this one story I heard. I don't know if it's true, but I'm going to tell it. I've told it before. This young girl, she put on a skimpy outfit, mini skirt, went to the club, danced all night with her friends, got super drunk. In the morning, she regretted it. She said, I'm going to go to church. So she woke up with her makeup still kind of smeared, didn't even change her clothes, and went to the church in the mini skirt, came up to the front of this small church when the pastor was preaching and sat right in the front row. The pastor notices how scantily clad she's dressed. I didn't even go to college and I used scantily. <laughs> and he notices her and it was a, since it was a small church, he liked to shake hands with everybody after service. So he's shaking hands with everybody in the church. And when she comes in for him to shake her hand, he, he grabs her hand and he says, before you come back to this church, I need you to ask God what he thinks you should wear to this church. And she was devastated and disappointed. Just wanted to come and meet with God. So she goes home. The next week, she comes back to church. And this time, she still has on a miniskirt. But this time, she put on a halter top with it. <laughs> it was August. She was like, hot girl summer in church. You know what I'm saying? Like, she was <laughs> feeling herself. She sits in the same spot in the front row. Pastor Caesar, while he's preaching, he's furious. So this time, he's waiting outside. He's ready. She comes out the front door and he sees her and he says, I thought I told you to ask God what you should wear to this church. And she said, I did ask God. And he said, what did God say? He said, he doesn't know what to wear to the church because he's never been there. <laughs> Ain't that a good story? God is not in religion. Religion is the absence of God. Now, by the way, when I say religion, I don't mean doing the right thing. Some of y'all think religion is acting right. No, no, no. No, no, no. It is anything that you do because you think it makes you better. Some of you don't pray in tongues because you think you'll be more spiritual if you do. Some of you can't kick that addiction because you'll think, you think you're better if you kick it. Anything that makes you a better, you think makes you a better Christian, God will not help you do. God only helps you do what glorifies him. If it glorifies you, he doesn't want anything to do with it. Even if it's removal of sin, that's you. Because you'll just brag about how you did it. Self-righteousness is the enemy of grace. Can I just submit this to you? Christianity is the only religion, the only religion that says the Holy Spirit does the work of righteousness in the heart of a believer. Every other religion says that God rewards you for the hard work you put in to do the right thing. If you are not going to believe in grace 
and you are not going to believe that the blood of Jesus cleanses us all, you have picked the wrong religion. Can I tell you, Buddhism is better than Christianity if you don't believe in grace. Muslims, some of the discipline of Islam is better for men if you don't believe in grace. I can tell you way better religions. If you're not going to believe in grace, just go buy the sage, burn the incense in your house. You know why? Because most people that you meet on the street are not atheists. They believe in another form of spirituality that they can control, that when they do it, it makes them feel self-righteous. These guys are burning sage to get rid of evil spirits in their apartment. Well, how'd the evil spirit get in there? Because you put the key in the door. You're the only one who lives there. Who do you think they came in with? But we actually believe we want to do something we can control. We want to smell the sage in our apartment and go, I got rid of the evil spirits. We don't want to do it in Jesus' name. We want to get the spirits out of our own name. And it makes us feel good. I don't want any of that negative energy around me. And God is like, you are walking negative energy and I love to be with you. Yeah, negative energy away from me. Like you positive energy. How do you know negative energy if you're not negative energy? Do kids in their innocence say anything about negative energy? They're too innocent. They don't know the difference. They'll walk up to a murderer. They don't, they don't know the difference. When God, God wants to restore somebody's innocence in here because you know they're negative because you see yourself in them. But yourself righteous. We, 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 we got to stop. We got to come to the Lord. We got to allow the Lord. So this is what was happening. I'm using more of our cultural context but in this cultural context, they, they were, it, you needed to be circumcised or you needed to eat your food a certain way. But our cultural context is, is different where we try to just let certain things make their way into the gospel. And the gospel is clear that Christ died, shed his blood so that you would be forgiven. Paul is trying to bring this correction to the church. In verse 15, he says, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles. By the way, Gentiles is everyone who's not Jewish, know that a person is not, somebody say not, justified by the works of the law, which means very simply put that God, you cannot make God happy because you did everything right. It's not possible. God, you never can stand before God and say, I'm I've been a Christian 40 years. I've been tithing since I was five. I've done all these things. God is like, oh my God, I'm not impressed. The Bible says your righteousness, your personal righteousness is filth to me. I want to know who believes that the, in the God who gives righteousness by faith. I don't need you to try. I don't need you to be better. The gospel is not making bad things good. It's making dead people alive. It is no joke. It's no joke. So I know you're on a bit of a journey, but just, just anytime you meet a religious person, just say, hey, don't, don't put that on. Can I give you an example? I want to put a picture on the screen. Put a picture on the screen. And um, this is a, an aspiring artist. And I just felt like the Lord was speaking to me that I'm going to leave pastoring and I'm going to be a professional artist. Why are you laughing? <laughs> it's laughable if it's an adult that drew it. 
the reality is this is a kid's picture. A little kid uh, drew this. I don't know what it is and neither do you. <laughs> that kid knows what it is. Let's say that kid was mine and I was that kid's father. And that kid is four years old. That kid is three years old. And that kid show, comes up to you and shows you the picture. And you say to my kid, that picture is ugly. Not sure what you were trying to draw, but it doesn't look good. <laughs> and I turn to you and go, what are you doing? I'm being bold. I'm telling the truth. In this day and age, we need boldness and we need truth. He's a kid. I know he's a kid, but we need boldness and truth. We need more men who are lions, like all these pastors. <laughs> Why would you tell my son? No, everybody would tell him. In a weird way, you would go, oh, buddy, that's so nice. Even though you know it's not, because you want him to keep drawing. And if you say the thing that makes him keep drawing, he might be an, a, a world-renowned artist one day because somebody said something to him to keep him drawing. So if we are infants in Christ, if we are born again, then to be real grace-filled people, we might have to call the picture of someone's life that is ugly, beautiful, just for a moment, so they keep going. And if we don't know how to do, you can take it down, please, take it down. Like we don't have to leave it up there forever. And if you don't know how to do that, if you don't know how to do that, if you don't know how to do that, then you're a bad parent. Now, if a 40-year-old drew that, who's been drawing for 30 years, don't go, oh, it's abstract. No. It's awful. Maybe the gods want you to do something else. I think if we have a relationship with an adult, but a kid, so we should be measuring Everyone in culture is a kid with an ugly picture. And the reason why I made it out of culture is because someone had enough grace to call my ugly picture beautiful. This is what's wrong with the church. This is what's wrong. One of the things I, I used to be the, 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 the person, I miss being new to Christ. Because every, a lot of people are so encouraging at Oasis. But now, I don't know that anybody would get, I don't know that I would go to any of some of these churches and find the Lord and be a pastor. Because everybody is obsessed with calling out sin. When no one is justified by the works of the law. No one. No one is justified by the works of the law. So if you currently want someone to do something, that means that you deep down believe that what you did has justified you before the Lord. But Paul goes, no one does this. This happens by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners. Doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Or excuse me, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If we find ourselves among the sinners, does that mean that Christ is promoting sin? Absolutely not. 
if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I would really be a lawbreaker. This is no joke. He's talking about believers. He's saying the reason why I don't want you to sin is not because it, I'm mad at you. It's not because when you sin, I'm frustrated. If I sent my one and only son to die for your sin, which means that when I did that, it removed the sin from your life. Why are you rebuilding what I intentionally destroyed? I want you to fathom this, that, we, that if, if we built a life of sin and God removed it through grace and love, why are we rebuilding it? He doesn't say that makes me angry. He says, why are you rebuilding what I tore down? Let's rebuild something together that's going to bless you and people for generations. Let's not rebuild your own sinful life. Let's not, after you get water baptized, just go back to your old ways. Let's not rebuild that. I want to build something new. There is nothing in here that says, I'm so angry, I'm so mad. And it continues to go, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If you are doing the right thing, it's not you. And if you're doing the wrong thing, it's not you. Do you know how complex and simple this is at the same time? Paul says, there's this thing in me called sin, and I can't control it. So what I want to do, I don't do, and what I don't want to do, I do. And then when you do the right thing, it's like there's this thing in me that I can't control. It's the Holy Spirit. But the moment you think it's you, then you automatically expect it of other people. If you're not very clean around the house, do you ever expect your husband or wife to be clean? No. If you're really good with money, do you expect, do you, do you, you, you tend to expect what you're good at? Oh, I, I don't do that, so you shouldn't either not realizing that that's Christ in you. So you should point them to the person that helped you do that. But if you think it's you, then you get on here and like, I've, um, I have not had uh, sex in 30 years. I'm like, that's sad. <laughs> if I'm unsaved, that's what I'm gonna say. I'm like, man, hey, you good? We literally brag about the outcome of our relationship with God and not God. Did I just tell you something? Like, I mean, this is a true story. I remember I met this brother, man. This brother was so handsome. He's like 20-something years old. His brother was handsome. He said, hey, man, I'm a, I'm a virgin. I said, what? <laughs> How you pull that off, man? He was so handsome, I knew it was the Holy Ghost. Now, when I was 16, someone told somebody I was a virgin, they were like, ah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I knew it was the Holy Spirit because I knew all the girls liked him. I knew all the girls wanted to be with him, but he had this thing working in him. He said, yeah, man, just Jesus. He, he, was, he wasn't like, Jesus told me to wait, man. It's hard, too, but Jesus told me to wait. I'm like, dang. I was so moved because it wasn't him. You know one of the worst things the church ever came up with? That I've been borderline demonic. 
purity rings. Where they give 13-year-old girls and they put them up at some fire, some old raggedy youth camp with old stank, funky carpet, and they make them promise to God they're never going to have sex in front of the whole congregation. It's demonic because it's basically saying, let's start something in your flesh. Make a commitment in your flesh, and hopefully God will come help you fulfill it with your spirit, with his spirit. Look what Paul said in Galatians 3. This is so important we understand this. Are you so foolish? Are you beginning, after beginning by means of the spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? It's like, don't, God started this. Let him finish. So a purity thing is like, you promise to God that you're not going to have sex. And you better keep your word. And then now you got some girl, man, that had on a purity ring for 20 years. 15 years. Put on a little weight. It don't, it don't come off unless you use lotion. It's just like, man, like, God, where are you? I made this promise. Where's the man? God said that wasn't me. I would never ask you to promise me that you're not going to do something. I'm going to promise you that I'm going to do something. And your response to that promise is your purity. So sometimes when I'm sending your husband or your wife, I want you to, just because you haven't met them, doesn't mean that I'm giving you permission to be unfaithful to them. They're already there. I've already anointed them. I've already ordained them. I just haven't introduced you to yet. So when it's released in the spirit, live that way now. Did you hear what I just told you? Y'all better stop dating them time passers. That woo was a little bit too loud. You might have came to church with a time passer. Yeah, I'm sorry. After this service. You got to live like that now. You have to live like that now. Don't say I would never cheat on my husband and my wife. You're doing it now. Because if you have a revelation that God's bringing them, live that way. If you have a revelation that God's bringing money, live generous now. If you have relations, God's bringing your spouse, live, live, live faithful now. Don't say when it comes, I'm going to live that way. No, it's not coming because you're not. And I don't want him, him or her to be with a cheater. I'm not a cheater. I told you he's coming. I told you she's coming. So your response of you just being whoever you want until they get there is the greatest act of unbelief. I'm not mad that you're doing it. I'm mad that you don't believe. You're my favorite daughter. You're my favorite son. You think I'm not going to bless somebody with you? I need you to get rid of this person. Because this person, here's what Paul said. He said, Church people were sleeping with prostitutes. I want you to understand, the, the offerings were low. This is true. The offerings were low. And so they said, 
we have an idea. We're in this community. All these crazy men love prostitutes. So instead of having them go out in the street, get prostitutes, we'll put prostitutes in the temple courts and then we'll take the resources and help build the church. There were temple prostitutes and Paul was like, what are y'all doing? We're trying to raise money. That's how lit they were. Lit. Pastor, I got a fundraiser. <laughs> Wait till you hear my plan. It's going to raise a bunch of money in the men's ministry. I can't even tell y'all the joke that just came in my head. Can't tell it. Can't tell it. Nope. It was the name of the ministry. Nope. That's my flesh. I'm going to tell Patrick after service. He understands me. Uh, and Paul was like, don't you know that you, your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit? He didn't say prostitutes. Ew. He talked about the Holy Spirit. Oh, you don't. Don't you know you become one with a prostitute? Some of you are not anxious. You just slept with someone anxious. Some of you are not depressed. A depressed person touched you. Some of you are not angry. You just slept with an angry person. Which is why, even with all your issues, God is preparing a righteous person for you. So on your wedding night, righteousness and peace kiss each other. Do you know the scriptures say righteousness and peace kiss each other? Do you know what would happen in your marriage and your family if righteousness and peace kissed each other? Not hot girl summer and hot dude and all that stuff. Ain't nothing wrong with being attracted to somebody, but glass of Merlot make anybody cute. You better get somebody who loves the Lord. I'm serious. This is no joke. We're responding to what God has spoken over us, not laws and rules. Here's what's crazy. In the beginning, Jesus, um, y'all mind if I take a few extra minutes, y'all good? Don't send the piano man yet. Need a few more minutes. In Genesis 1:27, it says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created him them. I want you to lock in on the word created. He created man, human beings in his image, meaning he wanted us to be exactly like him in character. He wanted us to be like God, not a God, exactly like God. And it says he created them. It doesn't say that he gave birth to them and taught them. Teaching and preaching is a byproduct of the fall. The only reason I'm necessary is because Adam and Eve sinned. If Adam and Eve would have never sinned, I would have never been necessary. You would have communed with God on your own and all the revelation you get in a church service you get from God directly, which means that God is trying to make pastors and preachers obsolete the closer it comes to Christ's return. Pastors don't want to be obsolete, so then they got to make you believe you need them so they still have a job. The church makes money off of sinners. The church gets influence off of sinners. We continue to have to promote that you need. Now, some of y'all need me right now. I mean, you really need your boy. So if you've been saved two months, that word ain't for you. Like, I'm not talking to you. Like, yeah, pastor said, I don't need him. 
Nah, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> we ain't there yet. We ain't there yet. Uh, but some of y'all, you don't need me. I need your help. You've been following God for 15 years. You've been in church since you was a kid. Come help me. Like that's, you're part of the team now. Does that make sense? But in the beginning, it's, it's created. He created. He created. Not taught. Not discipled. We need to disciple people. People need to read their Bibles. Yes, 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 we do. But, but in the beginning, he created them. It wasn't a teaching thing. He created them. So I want you to write this down. If you take nothing from here, we must understand that all healthy discipleship, all true righteousness, and all true godliness is a result of God's divine creativity. God is creating something. It's not I'm teaching something. It's not I'm demanding something. We need to remove this word from the church. And I've never said this before if you're watching online. There is no scripture for accountability. We don't want accountability. Stop saying, I want to be held accountable. No. God's going to hold you accountable. It's not, what did you say? Are you good, bro? I don't think my man's good. He good, man. You good, bro. Just go ahead and have a seat, bro. You good. But we don't need people to be held accountable. Do you hear me? We don't need people to be held accountable. It's important to understand that. We don't need people to be held accountable. We don't. I know it sounds like we do. We need to invite accountability. We don't hold someone accountable who hasn't invited it. And the invitation is, this is what the Holy Spirit is doing in my life. Can you hold me accountable that I would seek God for that change? Not, will you help me? Like, let's call each other. And like, every time you smoke a cigarette, every time I smoke a cigarette, we're going to call each other. And we're going to like, no more camels, no more marbles. That's it. (laughs) We're going to hold each other accountable. And we don't pray. And somebody needs to give you the word of the Lord. Do you know what God's going to do in your life? So that you quit smoking in response to something God said. Not a desire to get rid of sin. That's the law. If you don't know. I can't explain this any better way. Did you know Egypt represents sin in the Bible? All Bible scholars believe that when God called people out of Egypt, Egypt represented sin. Pharaoh represented the devil. Moses was like a picture of Christ. And you cannot leave something bad if you don't have a prophetic vision of something good. If you don't know where God's taking you, you won't leave where the devil has held you. I'm about to throw this binder. Did you hear what I just said? If you don't know where God is taking you, you won't leave where the devil has held you. I didn't stop smoking weed because weed was bad. To this day, when I smell it. (laughs) Can I be real? Okay, all right, all right. Okay. Can you, can you, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, every time the spirit is moving in church. So if you pay attention, you give, the, you give it a platform. Don't turn around, pay attention. It's okay. And if they back there, tell, tell them I'll come talk to them after. I'll come talk to them after. But you come with me, it's cool. 
But anytime the, the God is doing something, so is the enemy. Don't let it distract you. It'll be fine. We'll be fine. But let me address. Let me address. Because she, she, she heard me say something about Egypt. But she doesn't understand what that means. It's not the nation. It's the slavery that the nation put. Israel represents sin. So if she would have stayed, she would have heard me finish that. Self-righteous. I'm right, you're wrong. So in the middle of a sermon on self-righteous, someone gets self-righteous and walks out. But it's not the country. It's not America. It's not, it's the devil. What the devil used Egypt to do to Israel was slavery. And so God freed them from that. And that represents sin. Every Bible scholar agrees, even she doesn't. So then Moses represented Jesus. But, the re, but they cried out for 400 years and God seemingly did nothing until he told them that there was a promised land for them. And then he came and got them, not because of where they were was bad, but because of where they were going was good. So sometimes you can't get out of what's bad if you don't realize where you're going is good. It's that simple. It's that simple. And in the same way, I'll use America, for example. It's why I don't complain about America. I'm not from here. The Bible says we're citizens of heaven. This is not my home. I'm visiting. I'm here on assignment. I don't need to overly hype how negative America is because I'm here on assignment. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so then what happens is I know where I'm going. And so I'm willing to leave certain things behind because I know where I'm going. Here's what we have to understand in this moment is that this was God's intention. And that word creation, the word creation in the Bible literally means out of nothing. So if you are a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. That word creation literally is translated something out of nothing. So it means that whatever God does in your life, he doesn't need your help. He just needs your faith. He doesn't need your help. He needs your faith. He doesn't need your help. He needs your faith. He doesn't need you to work on something. How many of us have heard Christians say, hey, how's your, how's your spiritual walk going? Yeah, I'm just working on my relationship with God. What if my daughter said, yeah, I'm just working on my relationship with my dad? You'd be like, what's going on? But Christians go, well, how can I hold you accountable? No. You're working on your relationship with God. Your relationship with God was, do you not believe? Do you not know what the gospel says? The Bible says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, your relationship with God is sealed for all of eternity. All of eternity. Your relationship with God is sealed. How beautiful is that? How beautiful that your relationship with God is sealed forever. There's nothing to work on. There's just something to believe. And all of your behavior is because of what you don't believe. If you have behaviors about sexuality, it's because of what you don't believe. Don't worry about the behavior. 
deal with to believe. What do I believe? Do I believe God is good? Do I believe there's a plan for my life? Because if I don't believe that, I'll self-destruct. But I would never destroy what God gave me. And so what the enemy wants to do is he wants you to wait so long that you begin making choices and habits that don't align with where God's taking you. He wants you to date someone for where you are, not someone for where you're going. He wants you to spend money for where you are, not be generous for where you're going. And if we could just get a prophetic future, God would begin to lead us out of all of those things into the good things he has for us. And that is the gospel message. I want you to stand to your feet. And we're going to do a little thing real quick. We're going to separate this room into two people. The janky people. And if you're janky, that just means, man, yo, pastor, I'm, I'm messed up. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm messed up. And I want you to ask God to give you the greatest faith in him and his word you've ever had. Don't worry about behavior. We need to address your faith and your belief. Ask God to restore and bring you to this place of such a great faith. So if you're janky in this room, we're going to say a prayer, and you're just going to say, hey, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Not help me with my habit, help me with my unbelief. Help me to believe. And there's nobody perfect in here. But if you're honest and you say, low-key, Pastor Jay, I think I got my life, I think I'm together. I'm still on a journey, but I ain't out here all in the streets all willy-nilly, as my grandfather used to say. Then you need to say, you need to make this commitment. I will not expect from others what Christ has done in me. Because that's self-righteousness. I'm going to say that again. I will not expect from others what Christ has done for me. I will not expect from others what Christ has done for me. We do not put transformation and make it an expectation from culture. We've been transformed by the blood of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we don't expect that. We believe and pray and want to influence with love and grace. And if we can just be a church like that, God is going to do some awesome things. You believe it? You believe it, church? All right. So if you want to come to the Lord right now, put your faith in Jesus. We didn't do this in the first service, but it's 1115. This church, this service is bold. Y'all slept in, y'all had coffee. If you want to receive Jesus, repent of your sin, come to know the God that gives righteousness for free, and then like a father teaches you how to work it out, I want you to come either to the front of the balcony or to the front, and I'm going to pray for you. Just This is 11.15. We're doing it bold today. Some of y'all had a triple shot latte. My man, come on, come to the front. You want to receive the Lord. Come to the front if you want to receive the Lord. Come to the front if you want to receive the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, clap louder for them. Come to the front, either the front or the balcony. If you want to receive Christ in your life, give your faith to the Lord. Come on, come to God right now. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Come on, there's at least 10 more people. Maybe they need you to cheer them on a little bit louder. Come to the front and receive the Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We exalt the name of the Lord. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Come on to the front. There's no embarrassment. Just come all the way to the front. Come on. Does anybody else want to be saved, want to give their life to Jesus? We thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. We speak favor 
and blessing and faith over your life in the name of Jesus. Come on, people are still coming to the front. Let's give God a great big shout of praise. Give God a great big shout of praise. All right. Somebody lost a loved one when they were 13 or 14 years old and it made them a struggle. Come to the front right now, God. God wants to heal you. God wants to set you free. Thank you, Lord. Let's say this prayer together. Say, Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. And thank you that from this day forward, I am a follower of Jesus. I will follow him and I will learn from him. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Also, my brother, I have a prophetic word for you. The Lord told you to give me that sweater. He just told you, like, I don't know, man, just, I saw this picture, I was wearing that sweater, and he just told me, he just told me, if you really want to be blessed, take it off and give it to your pastor. Somebody shout amen, shout amen, hallelujah, show that I'm this hell this morning praise be to god hallelujah and let's church let's be encouragers like the pastor said not discourage we need to encourage these new people that have come to christ this morning amen you need to introduce yourself to them but if you receive christ i want you to text say less and they'll put it on the screen and we'll connect with you that way okay there it is say less there's the number to all of you who accepted christ today can we just give God a hand clap of praise for our message this morning from the pastor? Can we also say happy anniversary to Pastor Julian and Christine? 11 years of marriage, yes. Praise God. All right, now, this is the one of the best parts of the service for me is being able to give. Amen? And those of you who are new in Christ... You may not know about tithing and sowing, but uh, if you come to this church, I promise you, you'll learn and you'll see how it works. And it works awesome. Uh, we bring a tenth back to the local storehouse, which is our church. And if this is your home church, and if this is where you're blessed and you're spiritually fed, you should be sowing and giving into the church so we can do the work that we have to do. And this church does a great, great work. And if you have never tithed before or sowed, or given, if you'll give God three months like Julian says, I promise you'll be more blessed in three months than you are today. And do it consistently because if you can't live on 90% and give God 10, there's a problem there somewhere. Amen? Hello? Okay. All right. So listen, now we're on Venmo. I have a Venmo credit card and I'm on Venmo. If I can be on Venmo, anybody could be on Venmo. You see what I'm saying? So you can now give on Venmo, and you can also give cash. We'll take the cash, and you can give by credit card, whatever you want to give by. But there's a QR code. Just snap it and give. We give together. We serve together. For information, if you want to give, now I give online too. You go to oasisla.org slash give, and you can give. And if you want to give whatever God lays on your heart to give, but I, I know how it works for me. If I get 10,000, I give a thousand. If I get a dollar, I give 10 cents. And God gives it back to me. But that's just me. All 
right? Now, he may not always give it to me in money. He may give it to me in health, safety for my family. But I promise you, you can't give out, you can't outgive God. Amen? All right. Now, listen. I want us to say a prayer over this offering. And uh, you put, you give whatever God's given in your heart to give. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, first of all, for the ones that come and accepted Christ and the ones that came home today. Praise be to God. We know that you're rejoicing this morning for the ones that are missing hell today. Praise God. For the ones that have to give and the ones that don't have to give, I want you to bless them. But I want you to show us in our hearts what we give every time we need to sow and we need to give. We love you, Lord. We need you. We'll never fail to give you thanks and praise for it all. We ask in your blessed holy name. Amen. And uh, worship team, I think you just take us out of here. Amen. Take us out of here.